Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Recorded live. Hey, brother. Hey, brother, can you hear me? Well, I guess not. Can you hear me now? Hello, brother. <laughs> hey there. I could hear you saying, can you hear me? And I said yes, and then you said, I guess not. Yeah, well, everybody could hear that, but then I seen that it muted you again after I unmuted you. Okay, gotcha. How are you folks doing tonight? Chat room folks. Brother Kevin, did you get some rest today? I did. Amen. Amen. Hey, Hey, Brother Jason. Well, let me unmute him again. Can you hear me, Brother Jason? I can. Can you hear me? Yes, we can can hear you now, Brother. Good. How you doing? Good, and yourself? Can't complain. Hey, Brother Brian. Sorry I missed you guys on Thanksgiving. We had a a wonderful time. Matter of fact, I talked about it on the program. If you listened, I mentioned a lot about it on the program last night. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, Bruce, is he in there? He he ain't here. Oh, yes. Hey, Bruce, is he there? Yes. Hey, Brother Bruce. Enjoyed my conversation with your son last night. I want you to tell him tell him that. Tell him I really appreciate talking to him. I told him I was going to nickname him Bruce Two. <laughs> Bruce Two. Since we're with David, I mean, I can't I can't see what. Enlarge this sucker just a little bit. There we go. I guess that'll work. What was the weather like over there today, brother? 
Oh, it's beautiful. 75 degrees. No chemtrails, huh? I didn't see any, but I didn't spend all that much time outside. We got hit about a week ago, right after Kevin asked, and I said, no, we haven't been hit for a long time. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, like two days later. Covered you up. Yep. They just changed the forecast to from clear the next two days to overcast the next two days, and I thought to myself, I wonder if that's a predetermined chemtrail event. <laughs> no, there's no telling. I went over to Phoenix City. I had to go over there and see Brother Steve in, uh, right outside of Phoenix City today, and it was just they were everywhere again. Oh. It was. I didn't see none around here, you know, in the last few days, but so be it, whatever. Whatever happens over there comes over this way anyway if, when the wind blows this direction. Very seldom does the wind come out of the east, but when it does, it does. Our weather comes out of the south and the north, doesn't it, Brother Kevin? The southwest and northwest. Right. Southwest and northwest. I wonder if there's areas that aren't getting the chemtrails in America or even worldwide, or if it's just everywhere. I don't have, brother, I don't know. Uh, I haven't heard anybody say, brother, in. My mind's on something else right now. Brother David, is he in the chat room? No, he's not here. He must yes. have a... Is he? Or? Yes. David, I ch- what I was going to let you know, you and Brother Kevin, that stuff about the um, what we talked about the other night, I really went and got into it a little bit last night because my brother in Columbus, Georgia, called me and wanted me to check out something on Alex Jones's page, and I went and listened to it, and I heard about all those... Um, those special missiles and everything that Russia has that can shoot down anything we got. Kevin, you know about them? Uh, we've been outgunned for a while. Yeah, but that, what he was talking about on that alert, and I, you know I don't mess with Alex Jones anymore, but the stuff he was talking about was pretty good Was pretty good stuff. And uh, it, was one of, it was one of these alert deals that he puts out and was talking about how close we are to the, on the verge of, um, of World War the next world war and had something to do i forget exactly what he said i didn't pay much attention to it but there's something going on amongst the quote unquote jewish elite they do not want donald trump to be president have y'all heard anything about that no but uh carl rove has put all his support by behind that nigger that's running oh yeah right yeah, I don't, I don't or, uh, think they're not going to let Trump win. They probably won't. It, they probably will put all their money on Hillary, and these elections are fixed anyway. Right. Yep. I think I would. I would not be surprised if it was Hillary. And one of the problems with Trump, he's already um, sworn his allegiance to Israel. He didn't go to the Wailing Wall. Uh, but I did see uh, some video footage of him with a bunch of Zionist Jews. Uh, 
praying for Israel, the the demon seed state. Well, the thing about it is, if you're going to be a politician and win, anybody, no matter, even Rand Paul did that, okay? Well, you that's exactly why I would never that, vote for Rand that's Paul. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. It's ridiculous. You have to be a politician. You you got you got you've got to sell out to the wicked. You've got to either fake it and lie. Or do it and do it for real. And, and I was wondering maybe that could have been what Trump was doing. That's exactly what I was fixing to tell you. That's the reason I brought it up. Because Rand Paul knows as much about the Zionist Jews as anybody from his daddy. I think Paul sold out, though. I mean, he went there. He took his son. I mean, it, you know, you make a deal with the devil, it's all over. And that's the reason I don't care about that worldly crap anyway. I don't... I don't mess with it, don't keep a check on it, but that was interesting what I heard Jones say on his emergency. Look, he just did it Saturday night. I mean, um, yeah. What is today, Monday? I don't even forgot what day. Is it today, Sunday? Yeah. Yeah, Sunday. Well, it was last night. When's the 28th? Today? Yesterday? <laughs> we we do a program on Friday, don't I know, brother. I'm mixed up as I could possibly be. My days are mixed up, days and nights are mixed up, and everything. But anyway, I'm guessing today's the 29th, but I the, could be. The point at 26 is when he did it. Okay, I got it. But anyway, it's recent. It wouldn't hurt you to go and listen to it. So what you think about it? Uh, I, that's the first time I've been to his side in ages. And for my brother, who is just now starting to get into all this stuff, for him to get upset about it, I, he thought it was worth calling me late, late last night and telling me to go check it out. But, uh, he's married to a Jew. Uh, half. Yeah, he's a big liar about a lot of people. Yeah, he's yeah. A- he sits there and tells about, oh, the the and he's ta- the one thing he said, he was taking sides with Putin. He, he was talking about that Putin um, was trying to run these, these people out and take it. Putin was on the high, on the right side. and But he, when he talked about how Russians were trying to get rid of he won't say get rid of the Jews. He says oligarchs. He uses another name instead of trying to get rid of the Jews, which is the Jews they've been trying to run out of there. They're the ones that started all the trouble in Russia, the Bolshevik Jews. Anyway, I'm not. This is not a well. Program. Anybody that's going to glorify Putin doesn't get the big picture. He's part he of just the same game. He's Barack Obama. Yeah, he is. I know. I know that's what y'all believe, but I do. I know what the book says in Daniel. There is one, but there's one group that is not sold out. I don't know who that is. I'm talking about political group that's not sold out. That <laughs> helps the Israelites. See, it's right there in Daniel chapter tw- Daniel chapter ten and eleven, mm. and, and it calls it. This is the funny thing. It calls them Ammonites and Moabites. Well, that's Lot's kids by his daughter. So I'm just telling, I'm just saying, before you go making that everybody be bad, that, that according to the Word of God, that's not true. No, I agree. I, I, I'm, I'm all for the Russian people, you know. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Right. But, uh, but anytime you get to be in a, power, in a position of power that high, there is corruption. I don't care who. He's part hook knows himself, uh, Putin, on his mother's side. You right. you can't be one of the top ten richest men in the world either and be any good. Amen. Just, Absolutely. You can't, 
Absolutely, I agree 100. percent Trump that rich, or is, I mean, is uh, are you talking about Putin? Putin. Oh, I didn't know he had that kind of money. Oh yeah. <laughs> very well. That makes sense now. XKGB, very wealthy. So you tell me, you did take a lot of convincing to convince me. <laughs> yeah. And propaganda in the news isn't going to do it. And they, yeah, that anything in the news is, is just total BS. Period. I don't believe that second word of it. They control but, both sides of every war. Uh, that's right. Hey, uh, uh, brother David, Bill still is a Jew lover too. By the way, just FYI, I'm sure you already know that. Who? Bill still. He just posted a video. Who are you, now who are y'all talking about? Uh, he's uh, like an economic guy. I uh, was a uh, video like in the in the chat room. If you click on it, you'll see. Bill, that name sounds familiar to me. Bill, oh, he, he's, oh, he's the uh, only Phil still I know is a uh, is a sports guy. Football <laughs> <laughs> uh, player or something? No, no, he's a he's a bookie. He's a bookie from uh, from Las Vegas. Yeah, okay, a bookie. I, yeah, I was always predicting that giving the odds on sports, I guess that's what you call them, a bookie. I don't know, if it, but that's the only Bill Steele I know. Yeah, brother, Bruce, that was a great video that Bill Still made, Money Masters. Money Masters, I've heard about that too. Anyway, since we're recording, let's go ahead and get started. Here is the music. Gospel, and there'll be a few points that um, 
I will bring out, Lord willing, God giving me grace and mercy and the Spirit of God to put it out, I'll show you a few things probably you never thought about. Because uh, I know for sure people take some of these verses that's coming up out of context and try to make them say something that they're not saying, but I'll show you exactly what's going on, Lord willing. Anyway, if you would, uh, Brother Kevin, open us in a word of prayer, brother. Dear Lord, please forgive us our sins. Yes, Lord. Thank you for bringing us here tonight to listen to your word and study the book, Lord. Please God, Brother Don and Brother Jason, and help them do your will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Okay, Luke chapter 22, like I said, that we're going to see a few uh, things that's not in any of the other Gospels. Luke is very unique. I spent almost 30 minutes or longer explaining that the other night. And you're not going to hear that anywhere else, but you heard it here. Um, and another one of the unique things about Luke's Gospel it, that a lot that a people make a big deal over, and which is it needs to be made a big deal over, that the things that occur occur in none of the other Gospels. And the reason being is the answer I gave you, his association. His association with the Apostle Paul. He had a different slant than Peter had, different slant than John had. John's just totally different all the way around. We'll deal with that later. And he had a different slant than Mark, the writer of Mark had, because of the information. In this chapter, we're going to find out where the Lord, the lowly Jesus, meek and mild, instead of saying, turn the other cheek, tells the disciples to go buy swords. And I'll explain to you why he does that. That's one of the verses I was talking about that people will pull out of context. See, the Lord's wanting you to fight. Yeah, that's true, but not now. And I'll explain to you why he told them to buy it at that particular time. It's right there in the chapter, and 99% of the commentators miss it with them like a missing machine. It's right there staring them in the face. Also in this chapter, we're going to see the sovereignty of God versus the free will of man. Go back and forth and back and forth. Even with the Lord, who was very much man and very much God at the same time. We're going to see how the plan of God is being dealt out with the, the uh, two roads diverging. Where things could have been a certain way. And the Lord absolutely, absolutely changed horses in midstream. And that's and oh my goodness, no, everything's already set in stock. Yeah, it is now. It is now. See, it is now. But it wasn't then. And I'll show you that as we get down through here. Anyway, Brother Jason, go right ahead with verse 1. <clears throat> now the feast of the unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. Okay, you can stop right there. Satan entered into Judas. We have got did pro, we did programs before on the identity 
of Judas Iscariot, the possibilities that seem to be borne out in Scripture, how different an individual he was. We even in one program we went back to the Old Testament, and I mentioned it the other night how we brought verses out of Zechariah that talked about this um, individual. We know that Judas, when he died, he did not. It didn't say they buried him. It didn't say that he went to heaven. He went to hell. He went to purgatory. Said he went to his own place. Any of you have been had an unction from the Spirit of God? Type in on your his own place. See where how many times it occurs, and then own place. Just those two words, own place. Check it out. Watch what pops up, and you will find out that there's something different about this dude here. It says Satan entered into him. Thrust brings up the situation. You'll see a bit, a little bit later on. Well, how could he be in Judas and also be in another place at the same time? Because he's not like God. He's not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at the same time. Hence, the Satan or adversary, the adversary, which Satan means adversary, we found in the Book of Enoch, and I mentioned it and brought it up about the plural that's put on the word in the book of Enoch. The King James translators uses the word devil instead of demon and then uses the word devil singular and devils plural, which is the correct is the correct interpretation of that, the correct translation. Like you have Satan and a bunch of little bitty Satans. All right? Some of them are demons. Some are different spirits. You've got unfamiliar, you've got familiar spirits. You've got um, lying spirits, deceiving spirits. I remember way back yonder, I forget how how many, my goodness, this is probably the first month of our programs. I think we did a, um, did a program where we went through and I, I talked about a number of the different spirits throughout the Word of God. You ought to check that one out. But we know that the demons in particular, the majority of them come, they're the spirits, the spiritual beings of the progeny of the fallen angels that were turned loose on this earth. But anyway, Satan enters into Judas here, and he's fixing to do his dirty work. So go ahead, Brother Jason, continue reading. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them. And they were glad and covenanted to give him money. Blood money. So they made a covenant of what he was supposed to do. Sold him out, sold out the God of the universe manifest in the flesh. Wow. It's some wild stuff, man. Think about that for a second. You reckon he would have done it on his own hook without Satan entering into him? Without that influence? 
All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Reckon he was foreordained to do it. There's your answer right there. Of course he was. Of course he was. But he says he went to his own place, went out and he committed suicide. In another place he said he repented. I wonder if Satan was in him then. You've got one uh, teacher out there that teaches the Anglo-Israel truth, that, that teaches that Judas got right with God. I mean, that's just a bunch of malarkey, period. And he ain't got no scripture to back it up. He's got some extra-canonical writings from somebody that tries to say that Judas got right with God because he repented. Now, no, you can be sorry for something and not repent. you got a jail full of people that are sorry they're in jail. And they, that jailhouse religion, as they call it, I've dealt with them, been there myself, know how they are. They act all spiritual and, oh, they love the Lord Jesus. And the moment that door clicks behind them and they and they get right back out into the world, the majority of them, I said the majority, not all of them, there's some true, there's true, there's true repentance that goes on there. I've experienced it, seen it happen. But amongst, amongst the Negroes, amongst the darkies, Brother Tony, <laughs> the darkies, them suckers are world-renowned for their, their talking Jesus inside, and it, it's another Jesus. It ain't got nothing to do with nothing that's pure and true. Continue reading, Brother Jason. And he promised and sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. And they came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover... No, 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 it says then came. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. Okay. That the Passover must be killed. This typology through the word of God from the Levitical priesthood under Moses and Deuter in Deuteronomy and Numbers, all that stuff about killing the lamb, killing the, all that stuff about the blood over the doorpost. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. Oh, how what a wonderful thing! That's that typology, folks. That uh, some of you know nothing about. That's uh, that that the teachers you've been under or been around don't have a clue about the typology and Word of God. That's why I've been trying to show you some of it, and we went back to Genesis, especially with Abraham and Isaac, to the greatest. But that typology runs all through the Word of God. He was going to be the Lamb that took away the sin of the world, and all that was a foreshadow, as Paul says. All the beasts that died, the priest, all, the, all that stuff was a foreshadow of the real deal. And here is the real deal coming around to his time on, at the, during the time that the Passover lamb was to be killed. 
and he's going to become the lamb himself in a little while. Go ahead, brother. And he said unto them, Where wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, when ye are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you, bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in. You ever, want, you, you ever stop to think why they, why it's not written down here? How do you know that, Lord? Or how do you know that, Master? He just tells them these things, and it doesn't. There doesn't seem to be any any ooing and aahing going on. That he would know exactly what was going to be out there, like when he sent him after that um, that ass for him to ride into Jerusalem on. Said they'd give it to him. The master had neither. You don't see any questioning of any of that stuff. You ever wonder about that kind of thing? Why they didn't question all these things that the Lord does, and they don't question it? Hmm. Continue, brother. And ye shall say unto the good man of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber? where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples. And he shall show you a large upper room furnished there make ready. And they went and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, with desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Okay. With desire. He has desired to eat this Passover. And it's going to turn in to the communion service. That's what it's going to turn into. Okay. But he says he's desired to eat this Passover with them before he suffers. None of them ask him to suffer what? You know, they did it earlier in one of the other Gospels. They're recording. It's recorded where they didn't have a clue. He told them what, exactly what he was going to do over and over and over again, exactly what was going to happen. No questioning whatsoever. As well as the questioning's fixing to start in just a little bit. So continue on, brother. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Okay. Till it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Well, the kingdom of God, we went over that the other night. Talked about many times the differences in the kingdom. You're going to see a real curveball coming up shortly that we'll deal with when we get to it. Go ahead, brother. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. So the kingdom of God in its fullness is not there yet. In its fullness, I say it. When Christ is on earth, both kingdoms are present but it hadn't come into fruition, the fullness of the kingdom of God yet. Why? Because it's a spiritual kingdom. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. But you can't have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost 
because the Holy Ghost hadn't been sent yet, and there's no righteousness and peace yet because the righteousness of God, Jesus Christ, has not been sacrificed yet, and he hadn't resurrected. The the resurrection proves the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. That's the reason it is the gospel that saves. It's the resurrection. That's what the gospel's about, the death, burial, and resurrection, which proves the righteousness of God is Jesus Christ. That is the righteousness of God. Read that verse again, brother, verse 18. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. Verse 19. And he took bread, and gave thanks, and brake it, and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. This is the new covenant, the new testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. I bet you when we get to sit around and talk and and shoot the bull with the Lord on some things, we're going to find out some stuff about that blood that will blow our mind on the spiritual level. That perfect blood, that's God's blood. Oh, oh, you didn't know Christ was, it says it's purely God's blood? Tells you that in the book of Acts. It was God's blood. Something very, very special. Not just something that runs out of the veins on the ground and the ants eat it. Not God's blood, even though they the ants did eat it. And even though they came and washed it up, Washed him, washed the blood off of him. The dog, the every got rid of the blood, but it was still God's blood. Well, what part of it? See, you get now. We're talking about getting down on the, the top, below the atomic level. We're talking about on the spiritual level, and even in your blood, something happened to the blood. Even in your blood, there's some strange things there. The life of the flesh is in the blood, see. Oh, well, of course, there's nothing special about that. You know that. you got to have blood to live. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I'm just telling you. There's something special about that blood that we just quite don't understand. It's right, probably written right right in front of us in the scripture somewhere. Yeah, nobody's seen it yet. But without the shedding of blood, by all it, it tells you in Hebrews, just about all things are redeemed with blood. Adam it says that Abel's blood cried from the ground. Really? Or is that an allegory? I submit to you that on the level I'm talking about the blood, the voice is actually crying from the ground. And Abel's blood, righteous Abel's blood cried from the ground. Can you imagine that all the bloodshed that's been that's 
taken place over the last six, seven thousand years? What kind of voice is going screaming to the Father? Screaming for vengeance? Can you imagine what's going on on that level? That dimensional level? We have no idea. Continue on, brother. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. Okay, you got him sitting there around the table. Everybody knows about the famous picture, you know, by Leonardo da Vinci. I think he's the one that drew the picture, The Last Supper. Or was it Michelangelo? I forget which one it was. It's not important. It's important is that the betrayer's right there. And he knows who he is. And when we get to we we'll go through the Gospel of John, he's going to tell you the one I feed did to give this up to. He's the one that's going to betray me. And you wonder, well, why in the world didn't everybody pitch a fit and and beat the dog crap out of him? Okay, why didn't they do something? They didn't do nothing. Man, there there's so many questions, so many um, down to earth facts you could ask about what's going on here. Well, the answer is. God's in control of every bit of this stuff. Every bit of it. He says there's not a sparrow falls to the ground except he knows about it. And we think sometimes we're so alone. Human nature. That's part of our trials and tribulations here on this earth. Well, nobody knows how bad I feel. He does. Well, nobody's been through the experiences. I Yes, they have. There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. The Lord knows. Says he suffered all those things. See, all temptations, all pains, so everything can be rolled into just a few things, see. The uniqueness, it may be unique to you, but what, it, but what it causes in your thinking and in your mind, there's no difference in anybody suffering, 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 no matter how unique it is. Temptation's temptation, no matter which temptation it is. It'll fall under three categories, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. It's covered. That's the reason when the Lord was tempted and they took him up, Satan took him up to that mountain, he hit him with all three. Lust of the flesh, turn these stones to bread. Lust of the eyes, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. Pride of life, fall down and worship me and I'll make you head over all of it. Give it to all, give it to, give it to you, every bit of it. And he wasn't lying. He could have because he is the God of this world. Now, see, if you really, if you really believe that, then you understand why the admonition is to hate this world. You, then you understand the admonitions why to hate this world system. Then you understand the admonitions why you're supposed to separate yourself from it and have nothing to do with it, or as little as possible. Or as Paul says, as using the world but not abusing it. 
you mean you have to make a living and you have to do certain things because it's where you're at right now in the flesh. But that's where you get your entertainment. Bought into it a lock, stock, and barrel. You get, you'll, you'll admit it's true, and you really will believe it's true, but you'll go so far, see? You'll go so far, stuff that doesn't, that you're re- really not attached to, you get rid of that in a heartbeat. Ain't no problem. There's no sacrifice to that at all, none. But you say, you, I hate the world, yeah? How about the part you love? How about the part that makes you comfortable? How about the part that keeps you from being ostracized by everybody else out there? How about those parts? How about the parts that keeps your kids from calling you crazy? You know, if you where if you withdrew from that part of the world, everybody in your family would call you a nutcase call you a fanatic. What about that part? See what I mean, Jelly Bean? It's a lot deeper than you think. Why do you think Christ said that you're not supposed to be surprised if your folks despise you, hate you, or the world hates you? Because he says, marvel not, the world hates you. It hated me first. No matter what position you're in, how much you've sugar-coated and justified what part of the world you live in, what part you're satisfied with and comfortable with, you need to think about the little, I mentioned it the other night and mentioned it in past programs, what little, what can you get rid of? What, what, what can you say no to? That you once, that you once, or most of your life, have enjoyed and accepted, and did not cons- did put that under your category of the world. See, see that's sac- that is sacrifice. That's discipline. That's what is void. Be it, that is what's not being taught in the local assemblies today. That's how far away from true New Testament Christianity we've gone as a people. And if you can't sacrifice some of that stuff, what in God's name makes you think you can sacrifice anything else? What makes you think, well, I could do it if I had to. You may not be called to make those kind to make the big sacrifices, but I can assure you one thing. Rest assured, if you're not practiced in denying yourself on a regular basis of certain things that you love or once loved, then when it comes time to make the big sacrifices, you're shot. Your 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 history. I don't care how much the Holy Spirit's in you. If you can't do it in the good times, why 
in the world, what would make you think that you're going to do it in the bad times? Thank you, guys. Some verses of scripture to show me where it, where that's what's going to happen. Well, I, I I'll cut you off the pass and tell you, sorry, there is none. The only thing that even comes close to it is talking. Is being a witness for the Lord during a certain period of time. That's the only place that says you'll be that you, there's no need for practicing meditating on it. We went over it the other night that the Holy Ghost would take care of that part. But that see that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being not be not conformed to this world, not of the things that are in the world. We're talking about love not the world, nor do the things that are in the world. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. That's what we're talking about. See, nobody wants to hear about that discipline. That's what I mean. I, I thank God every day that the Lord got my attention and got me at the right bunch to where I I knew it from first century Christianity, first century, right on down. I know how it originally was and the way it was originally taught and the fruits of it. Now, I ain't always obeyed it. I didn't say that. That comes with practice. That is just like the sports idioms that Paul uses. They don't walk in there and start doing all those things without practice, without exercise without doing them while everything's good before the final race comes, you know, to when you're running to win or boxing. You have to train. There's training period. Same way in the lust of the flesh, there's training periods to get rid of some of the lusty things that you do. The thoughts. Do you know how to train your mind not to think about wickedness? But see, nobody can see that. See, that's what you think. See, nobody knows what you think in your heart, or that's what you think. But if you believe the book, you know that somebody does. So have you trained your mind to get rid of that? Do you know how to do that? Are you concerned enough to ask how? Have you tried? See, man looks on the outward appearance, folks. But God looks upon the heart. And the book says there's not one secret thought or thing that you do that will not be manifest in the day of judgment. You really believe that? Do you believe? Do you really and truly believe that? Then what steps are you taking to make it be better for you at that time when those thoughts will be revealed? See? That, that, that got, ain't got nothing to do with your salvation, folks. Man, we're not talking about being saved. We're not talking about getting in. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the same, I'm talking about the same thing we were talking about the other night. Of what takes place in eternity about rewards and inheritance and position. That's what I'm hitting on again. That's my main deal with you guys. I want you to be the best you can be. For the one that was the best he could be for you. 
say that's New Testament doctrine. That's real doctrine. That's real truth, not half truth. That's not that garbly good mess you hear every which way you turn around today and hear from the unclean spirits that inhabit some of these so-called teachers that wouldn't know true Bible doctrine if it ran over them on them in the middle of the street. They'd just get up and walk on by and not even pay any attention whatsoever. See, and then on the flip side, some of them will turn around and try to tell you you got to do so, so, and so, and so for the big picture as far as salvation. And that's a gift. The other part's not a gift, folks. When are you going to get that straight? That's why I always set aside, I'll try to always, when it, the Holy Spirit presents this this avenue and twinges that spirit in me to go this direction with each and every one of you. But listen to me. This is what's important. Your salvation is taken care of. If so be the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. But this other stuff, it's a daily battle, and you've got to start fighting sometime. You got to start exercising and training sometime to fight these battles or run that race. Striving for the masteries, as Paul calls it in Timothy. Continue on, brother. And truly, the Son of Man goeth, as it was determined, but woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. He's saying heavy, heavy hangs over Mr. Judas's head, and it does. Continue on, brother. And they began to inquire among themselves which of them it was that should do this thing. And there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. Can you just imagine, while the the Lord's just saying he's got to suffer for Just told them that. And then he just got through telling them there's going to be a betrayal. Well, they did pitch a little bit about that. You know, and it's strange how John says what he says about how they know how it was done right in front of them. Luke doesn't mention that. And what's the next thing that they start talking about? Who is going to be the who's the, And they've done this before. Who's the greatest among the twelve? I'm better than you. I don't do that. You don't do this. Just it, 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 Human nature is just so predictable. But they haven't got the tools to fight it yet. See? Holy Spirit hadn't came yet. So I guess it's to be expected. Continue, brother. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so, but he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. Okay, now the Lord's fixing to just plainly tell them simple, practical, pragmatic truth. 
Nothing spiritual about it. He's just going to lay it out there black and white. Black and white. Continue reading, brother. And he that is chief as he that doth serve. See there? You want to be, they were, were, who's going to be the greatest? Well, you want to be the greatest, you've got to be the least first. See, the way to get up, I've been telling you, these, telling you guys this for three years. The way to get up is to get down. The way to rule is to serve. That's the way to rulership is to serve. The Lord's going to give them a preview here shortly about what I just told you, what I just said. They want nobody. See, the world is just the, just the opposite. The spirit of the world dictates a different thing. You get to the top every by every hook, crook, and way you can lie, cheat, working hard to do this and all that. But for eternity, the way to get up is to get down. Now, while in this three score and ten. The way to get up is to say yes to somebody you don't like. The way to get up is to have a true love for somebody that's an enemy. That's the way to get up. Is to first get down. If you hadn't crossed the threshold of forgiveness for, for everybody that's ever wronged you, you ain't even got to first base yet, to use another sports analogy. I don't know I don't care how bad they wronged you. I don't care if they killed your mama. See people get mad at God too. And they don't forgive God because they know that it, in the end he's the one that's in control of things and allows things to happen. And so they get mad at God. Well, God took my child. Why would he take such innocence? Oh, my, so just for six months, never done nothing wrong. That's human nature to feel that way sometimes but it shouldn't be dwelt upon. He doeth everything well, and all things work together for good. I don't care what it is. If you love God and you're His, everything that happens is for purpose. It's for it, I'll say it again, it's for purpose, and there is a plan. That's why you ought to be on your P's and Q's and watching the situations and things that happen in your life. When people talk about, you may have, may or may not have heard people talking about open doors. Well, the Lord opened this door, or I'm waiting on this, I'm, I'm waiting to see which direction the Lord wants me to go. It's easy to blow out that out your mouth and then 
you wouldn't know if the Lord was trying to show you which way to go with a going machine. Right in front of you. You just say it because it sounds spiritual sometimes, see? Where if you paid attention to the little minute things that happen in your life that everybody else thinks is by chance, when there's no such thing as chance and luck, then it'd be staring right in front of you and you'd have your answer. But a lot of people will, and I know in years gone by, I've been guilty of it myself. They'll talk all that spiritual talk. They don't want the answers. It might cost them something. It cost him everything. Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No. There's a cross for you to bear, and there's a cross for me. And the way people are today, they live their life from day to day and doing everything possible they can to walk, take detours around that cross. I'm talking about the personal one. They do everything in their power to make everything easier to get away from that cross. That they're supposed to do like the Lord did, pick it up willingly, lay down on it willingly. Nobody forced him on the cross. He laid down willingly, he laid his life down willingly. Or like Paul says, henceforth we should no more live unto ourselves, but unto him that gave himself for us and rose again as bond slaves. Way to get up, brethren, sisters, is to get down. Every instance where the opportunity arises, take full use of it. To get up, you have to get down. To be a master, you have to be a servant. To be rich, you have to be a pauper. Everything is just the opposite from the way the world teaches. And if you spend most of your life thinking different, well, it's time to start thinking other. We're never too late. It's time to do something different. Continue reading, brother. For whether is greater he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat? But I am among you as he that serveth. The Lord saying, I'll give you an example. Okay? I've served you. He even washes their feet. We'll get into that too later. Never gonna wash my feet, Lord, Peter says. See, that's that old pride. That's that old that's that old everyday quote unquote so called Christian. No, ain't no, 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 you're too good, no. Well, if I don't wash your feet, Peter, you have no part with me. 
because he, the Lord, the example he's putting forth is you have to get down to get up. And that's what the calling is for, his kings and priests, his sons, is to get up, to get up, that household of God. That's that sovereignty versus free will choice we talked about the other night. For your reward, you have a choice. But you've only got a certain amount of time to fulfill that. That's why every time the situation arises, there's two doors. Either You can either get down to get up later, or you can stay in for your position and your lavish stuff, and whenever the time comes, that suffering and that sorrow and that nakedness and everything the Lord talks about, that he's talking about his sons, folks, his own, the one he paid the, blood, paid the price for. That's in the kingdom. Pain, suffering, and loss. Because they'd rather have it here. And the ones that'd rather have it here, they're going to get their wish. They're going to get it. It ain't going to be all that wonderful either. Remember the rich man, Lazarus? What did, the Lord, what, what did, they, what, what did Abraham tell the, that rich man? While you was alive, so-and-so and so-and-so, you had all that good stuff. Continue reading, brother. Yet are they which have continued with me in my temptations, and I appoint unto you a kingdom, okay. as my Father hath appointed unto me. Two different kingdoms. He's appointing a kingdom unto them. And he says his father's appointed a kingdom unto the Lord here. His father. See, you probably can't see that there in the verse. But that's because you don't realize the companion verses that go along with this. Where the Lord said, if this world were my kingdom, my servants would fight. But my kingdom is not of this world. See? The new Jerusalem part is for the saints and the Lord. This place down here, it never has been our home. We're not from here. And we're not supposed to stay here. Continue on. Brother Jason, verse Yes. That ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. Now here's his kingdom. Go ahead. And sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And that's going to be the kingdom on this world just like I've been teaching you. Ezekiel 43:48. you couldn't miss it with a missing machine. But you got to know the book. you got to know the book. Ain't nothing allegorical here. There's nothing metaphorical here. He means exactly what he's saying. They're going to do that. 
his kingdom. They're going to, we're going to eat with him in his kingdom. There's a different city for us. It's New Jerusalem. Continue, brother. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Okay. Lord says, Satan wants you, boy, to sift you like wheat. And then he makes a strange statement. But I prayed for you that thy faith fail not. This is the God manifest in the flesh that prayed for Peter that his faith wouldn't fail. Did it? Did it? Did it fail? You remember Peter around the fire? Three times? That's why Peter has to be converted later. See? He curses the Lord. Curses. I don't know who that guy is. But when thou art converted, Peter, say, Lord knows the end from the beginning. Strengthen the brethren. Then he does. In the end, he does. As a matter of fact, when he denied him around the fire, you couldn't keep his mouth shut after the Spirit of God and the tools were given to them to be able to go to live the Christian life the way it's supposed to be lived. After the Holy Spirit came down and the, and the gifts of the Spirit started being handed out and they were filled with the Spirit and they knew that Christ came out of that tomb, you couldn't have shut their mouth with a shutting machine. Throw old Peter in jail. He didn't care. He could have cared less. Rather serve God than man. Would to God there were some of you guys like that. This churchianity going on today is it's, it's just it, it's sickening. This world don't care how much you get in a little house. Keep all your screaming and hollering or whatever they do in that little house. It's they don't want you on the street. See? They don't want you mingling around the crowds using the name of Jesus Christ out loud. They don't care how much you say Jesus Christ inside a building. But you better not get outside. Now, that I'm talking... As a general rule, still down south, we have some liberty down here. And some places, I'm sure other places as well. But it's sparse, and it's going to get worse. Continue on, brother. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. And guess what? He told the truth. 
Both those things happened to him later. Not immediately. Not before. The other things had to transpire first. He had to deny the Lord. Then he had to go out and weep bitterly and be converted. All that other stuff. That was part of his journey, see. Here he's telling the truth. He will eventually do every bit of this. But not now, see. Not now, but afterwards. See, we all want our cake and eat it too. But that's not the way the Lord works in each individual life. Because there's preparation that goes on. Certain trials that have, there's certain tests that have to be brought up in our lives. You will, you will earn, you listen to me very close what I'm fixing to say. At the judgment seat of Christ, every reward that you get, you can rest assured you have earned it. See that? We're talking about reward. You can rest rest assured that you earned it because they're not given away for free. Think about that next time you choose the world and its system and its entertainment and its pleasures over denial of self and the Lord. Think about that. Use it for use it for a training tool. Next verse. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day, before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. And he said unto them, When I sent you without purse and script and shoes, Lacked ye anything? And they said nothing. In other words, my God shall... They went through it, see? Remember me telling y'all for the last few programs these, the, some of these verses that I quote y'all out of, out of the epistles about my God shall supply all your need, you know, and all the... You have to go through them. They went through it, and he supplied their need. That's what he's asking. Didn't I? Didn't I send you out without nothing and everything was fine? He's setting them up, man. He's setting them up. Continue. Then said he unto them, But now he that hath a purse, let him take it, and likewise his scrip. And he that hath no sword... Let him sell his garment and buy one. Now the Lord has told he said, Okay, guys, I sent you out there and told you not to take nothing with you and preach and everything you'd be taken care of. And they worked. And they worked. Now he's telling them, take those, take those your purse and your whatever, and you sell it and buy swords. Why? Why is he telling them to buy swords now? Most every major commentator in the world missed this. Why is he telling telling them to buy swords now? I'll show you in a few minutes. Continue on. 
For I say unto you that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me, and he was reckoned among the transgressors, for the things concerning me have an end. Do you hear what God manifest in the flesh just told you about his own self? The Lord Jesus Christ told you about his own self. That the things concerning him have an end. All y'all at Jesus same yesterday, today, and forever bunch. Bet you they couldn't show you where this verse is. I'm not going to get into the doctrinal implications right now, but I will when we get into the book of Acts, rest assured. The things concerning me have an end. Being numbered with the transgressors, the death, burial, and resurrection. Verse 38. And they said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. And he said unto them, it is enough. Okay, they got two swords among them. Lord knows how many folks is coming. Lord knows exactly, no, Lord knows everything. He just got to tell him, Peter, you know, what you're going to do. You're going to deny me thrice, all that stuff. Verse 39, brother. And he came out and went, and as he went to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. Okay. He's telling them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. In other words, don't go to sleep. Watch for me in another plan, another gospel. Continue. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That verse right there lets you know that there was a possibility that this whole shooting match didn't have to go uh, go on. I mean, the, the way it played out did not have to happen. That's the reason he told them to buy swords. How do you know? Because in a minute, Peter's going to swing the sword and he's going to tell him to put it up. See? He's asked the Lord, Father, one final time. Read verse 42 again, brother saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. There was a possibility that he would not have had, even though, the, see, our Bible now tells us he was crucified from the foundation of the world. I know where all the verses are, folks. I'm just telling you, there was a possibility for Israel to receive their king and their Messiah for who he was, and they didn't. If they had have, they would have thrown the yoke off of Rome, and the Lord would have sent angels to help them do it. 
And the Lord here is asking the Father one last time if he has to go through and take the cup. And he gets the, he gets his answer quickly, and there's no need for any swords because this, the course is set and the things concerning him will have an end. That's the reason for the swords. And you'll never, you would not know that if you didn't know the first seven chapters of the book of Acts and understand how it flows. Because, and him hanging on the cross, I'll give you one more tidbit. When they said, he, when they're saying crucify him and kill him, and he tell his, his, his people, his Judite people, that was stirred up by the hook nose, was saying, kill him, crucify him. If he be the son of God, let him come down from the cross. He healed others. Himself he cannot heal. He cured others. He can't even get off the cross. And he he prays to the Father another prayer that the Father does answer. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. The Lord answered that prayer. He answered it until Acts chapter 7. He forgave, gave him another shot. And I'll show you all that when we go through Acts. And no, see, so most any if there is any expositors or commentators, they'll say, "Oh, he answered the prayer. He died. On, he's going to die on the cross anyway." That's a that 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 dog won't hunt. Ain't got nothing to do with the death, burial, and resurrect. That part of the forgiveness, no, not at all. That was going to happen anyway. He forgave him. Give them another shot to receive him as their Messiah. Continue on, brother. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, okay. and his sweat was... Greg, Greg drops the bud. Yeah, I want you to stop right here for just a second. And there's no way a human being, it, well, it, they say it has happened a few times, you know, about this sweat and blood business. But the reason he did was not because he was I in agony. He was in an, A-N, an ag- a special agony. Oh, this will preach for two hours. He was in a special agony. The agony of the cup that he was fixing to have to drink. That's the agony he was in. And it's that's why it's called an agony. It's a special agony that no one ever ever had to go through before or ever, ever, ever will again. It was a separation 
from whom he had been with for eternity, the Father. It would be a separation from all the glorious bliss that had been in eternity with God the Father and the Holy Spirit from eternity past, outside of time. You can't even fathom. And on top of just that part, it was an agony of having to take on every sin that had ever been committed or ever would be committed. From the very first to the very end when there will be no more sin. That's what an agony, and that ain't even just, I'm not even doing it justice. Like I said, it'll preach for two hours. And he was all man. Had same passions like us was tempted in the same manner as us, yet without sin. He liked, he loved, he laughed, he cried. And he had to think about, and he knew what he was going to have to do. Take that cup. That's the total wrath of God poured out on an ungodly world. And every sin, every wicked, he didn't know, he had no associate in eternity with the Father. He didn't, he had no communion with any kind of sin because sin can't enter the Father's presence. It was outside of all that. There's no way in our mortal mind that we can comprehend this agony. There's no words written by the greatest poets and authors of all time that could express how bad this agony was because it's only been experienced by one person in eternity past to eternity future and that was your Savior. And because of that agony you're asked to do so little You can't say, well, he don't understand. Yes, he did. You can't say, he don't understand the way I feel. He don't understand the way you feel. He was tempted in every aspect as any man has ever been tempted, yet without sin. And then he turns around and gives you the tools to be able to fight against all that stuff. And you won't avail yourself of them. And then turns around and wants to reward you for what you do. And you still won't do it. Aren't we a motley crew? And we say we're thankful. Are we really? Don't Thanksgiving generally carry some kind of something whittle right along with it? Is that a lip service? 
praise Jesus. Love the Lord. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. And then to do whatever you desire to do. They don't mix, folks. Never have mixed. That's not what he wants of you. He wants the best for you. Continue. Continue on, Jason. And when he rose up from prayer, he was come to his disciples. He found them sleeping for sorrow and said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. And whilst he yet spake, behold a multitude, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? And when they which were about him saw what would follow, they said unto him, Lord, shall we smite him with a sword? And one of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. And Jesus answered and said, Suffer ye thus far. And he touched his ear and healed him. And Jesus said unto the chief priests and captains of the temple and the elders which were come to him, Be ye come out as against a thief with swords and staves? When I was daily with you in the temple, ye stretched forth no hands against me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. He has his answer from the Father. Got a question in the chat room. Yeah. Guest three asks, are you saying God will not have perfected sons that we who will be his elect aren't being conformed to the image of Christ? Of course not. That's what all that's what this life's about. There will be some that'll be perfected to per well they'll all be perfected to perfection, but they just won't have it's like listen, I don't see what is so hard to... Yeah, I do understand, too, but I'm not going to talk about it. I understand completely. Folks, it's like we all went as a family to see a movie, okay? And this is a weak illustration, but I'm going to give it the best shot. We went to see a movie about a certain um, topic that most of, most of us were just thrilled and excited about as this family. But others weren't so excited about it because they didn't know anything about the subject. So they went along anyway and they sat through that movie. Now, when we come out of that movie, who's going to be happy and buying popcorn and talking about how wonderful that movie was and who's just going to be in, be going going be going and be going to say ho hum, you know? And that's a mild, that's a that's just a mild illustration 
of how you're going to be all around glory and are going to be shameful. That's mild. That ain't even getting to the nitty-gritty. You have sonship is sealed. Rulership, inheritance, and reward are not. The perfecting process is being used every day. You're supposed to purge your... Jason, we read... Oh my God, remember second, remember second Timothy 2 about the great house? Yes. I'm asking guess three. Oh. You remember the great house? Are you in the great house? Well, you've got two choices at the great house. That's your choice. That's free will straight up and down. You can't get around it no way you try. Some are going to be richer than others. The Lord himself said some will rule over ten cities, some only one. How about the one that didn't get to rule over none? They're still sons. I know where the problem's at. <laughs> Why it's not understood. It's simple. It's what I've been talking about all night long. We're all guilty of it. You can't sit on your butt and expect everything's going to be wonderful. You didn't get you didn't get sent in here to do nothing. Being conformed to the image of his son is one part of the, that's the down payment of the Holy Spirit. And you can't get the full dose until you get the body of Christ, the body like Christ. And the DNA rearranged the whole shooting match. That's when you get the full dose. But whatever you done in the body, after having um, illustration, after sermon, after example, and scripture after scripture stuck in front of our face, what we did not obey, we will suffer loss. That's what the book says. I didn't write it. You'll still be as big a son of God as any one of the others. You just won't enjoy it as much. And nobody and nobody knows the mind of the Lord. There's probably some things tacked on to that that he just decided he wouldn't tack on, or we ain't found them yet. That's the truth. That's the conundrum people get into. You have to believe what the book says. No, you no. Excuse me. I forgive me. You don't have to believe squat, or find you a translation that suits you. That's all I know. The perfecting process is a perfecting process. It will be accomplished one way or the other. But the free will choices are the free will choices. And there is no way you can get around that, no matter how hard anybody tries. And I've seen some of them try. 
That Second Timothy 2 illustration is one of the greatest, and that's the reason Brother David gets, I know he gets sick of reading it, because it's staring you right there. How, how my, Brother Jason, go to Second Timothy 2. The elector there is talking about the elect. The context is there. It's talking about the sovereignty of God there. It covers everything that you could possibly imagine. And plain as day, if you just believe what you read. Brother Jason, are you there? Yes, sir. Okay, I want you to start. Uh, let let me get there first. Uh, let's see, we're in, let me hold my place. We're in verse fifty four in Luke, and let me go here and uh, find where I want you to start. Just 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 read it, brother. Just start read the whole thing. So fantastic! It's it, it's one of the greatest chapters that Paul wrote. Go ahead. Now, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Christ. Of Jesus no man Christ, that brother. For, You're skipping words. You're skipping words, brother. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Christ. It does not say that, Jason. Brother, <laughs> a good soldier of Jesus Christ, not Christ. I'm sorry. Okay. A good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. That's conditional. That right there for the masteries is... That's rewarding. That's mastery. It has to be done lawfully. Go ahead, brother. And husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Exactly correct. Continue. Consider why, or excuse me, consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel wherein I suffer trouble trouble as an evildoer even unto bonds but the word of God is not bound therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Dead to self. Go ahead. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. Condition, condition, condition. Can keep on. If we deny him, he also will deny us. An inheritance. Keep on going, brother. 
if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. You're baptized into his body, and you couldn't get out of his body if you tried. You're a son, you're his son, and it is, you're supposed to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because you might not be saved? No, because it's God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Continue reading, brother. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus. The elitist does a cancer. False doctrine eats like a cancer. It's rampant everywhere today. Okay, that's what he's talking about because he's going to tell you what the false doctrine was in verse 18. Go ahead. Who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. Absolutely. That's false doctrine, and that's what happens. It eats like a cancer. Go ahead, brother, verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Read that last part one time, one more time, brother. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. That's a choice, too. Verse 20, brother. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver. That's good. That's good stuff. But also of wood and of earth. There's some shining there, and some don't shine so bright, but they are in the household. Continue on, brother. And some to honor. That's the good. That, that's the one. That, that's the ones that do the, what they're supposed to do. And then there's that dishonor. You can't beat it with a beating machine. Verse twenty-one. Free will. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he that shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Thank you, brother. Back to Luke. Then they, then took they him, and led him, and brought him into the high priest's house, and Peter followed afar off. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall, and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire, and earnestly looked upon him, and said, This man was 
also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. I'll die for you, Lord. I'll die for you. <laughs> Is that right, Peter? Let God be true and every man a liar. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, even the prince of the prince of the apostles. But the Lord knew he was going to mess up, and the Lord even prayed for him that his faith wouldn't fail. But why did he fail if the Lord prayed for him? Don't the Lord get every prayer answered? My my goodness, he's God manifest in the flesh. Can you? I know it's a great mystery, say, though. We don't fully understand it. Well, he failed. Let's see if he fails again. Go ahead. And after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. Hmm. Can you? And about the space of one hour after another, confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. The words of God cannot be broken. The Lord told him that's exactly what was going to happen, and that's exactly what happened. And now Peter is done fail, and he's got to get re- he's got to get converted. Continue on, brother. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him before the cock crow, "Thou shalt deny me thrice." And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Amen. Amen. The words of the Lord will how will do just what absolutely true. True from the very beginning will be true to the very end. That's why they're so important. That's the reason we did them programs on it just the other night about truth and knowledge. Continue, brother. And the men that held Jesus mocked him and smote him. And when they had blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who is it that smote thee? And many other things blasphemy spake they against him. And as soon as it was day, the elders of the people and the chief priests and scribes came together and led him into their council, saying, Art thou the Christ? Tell us. And he said unto them, If I tell you, ye will not believe. He already knows they're not going to believe. Probably probably every one of them was a stinking Jew. Go ahead. And if I also ask you, ye will not answer me, nor let me go. Hereafter shall the Son of Man sit on the right hand of the power of God. Okay. Verse 69. Hereafter shall the Son of Man sit on the right hand of 
power of God. And he does eventually. Tells you that in Hebrews. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father as we speak right now. Interceding for you and I. What he's doing. But in between now and when he sat down at the right hand of the Father, he stood back up. See, ain't nobody else going to tell you this stuff, folks. He stood back up before he sat down for good. And that's got to do with what I was telling you about earlier, about the prayer and about the swords. He stood back up. One more time. One more time he stood back up. And then he sat down and it was all... It was all over then. Signed, sealed, and delivered. Everything was going to come to pass just exactly like the book says. The book was put together and everything. You can't break it no matter what Satan tries to do. The Word of God cannot be broken and the Word of God's not bound. But you have to understand why he stood up, see? I done told you. I'll show you when we go through the book, when we go through the book of Acts. God answered his prayer, gave him. Even though they killed him, shed his blood. God forgave him, time being. Gave him another shot. And as generally happens in all of our lives, when the Lord gives us another shot, we screw up again, don't we? Better be thank you. Better thank God for that grace and that mercy. You better thank God for that blood. Continue, brother. I'm not going to get into the Book of Acts tonight. We'll get into it when we get to it. Go ahead. Then said they all, "Art thou the Son of God?" And he said unto them, "Ye say that I am." And they said, "What need we any further witness?" for we ourselves have heard of his own mouth. Now, how they get, you say I that I am, how they get, yes, I am, out of that, I don't understand, but they did. <laughs> they did. Next chapter, brother. Let's read the first verse, and then we'll go ahead and stop for tonight. People got to go to work tomorrow. And the whole multitude of them arose and led him unto Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ a king. Okay, we'll get it. we'll pick up with that next Sunday night. Anybody got any questions? Anything else, Brother Kevin? Not at the moment. Okay. There is nothing else. Then uh, tomorrow night we will meet back and we will hit a little bit on, uh, let me see, what was I thinking today? I was praying about something and I don't know if we should or not. We didn't even get into some of those uh, things I wanted to talk about. I now know what it was. 
Um, we Some of those things in the book of Revelation, we didn't even get into some of them the other night like I wanted to. We got hung up as usual on some other stuff. That's my fault, not y'all's. So uh, tomorrow night we'll just hit on various some various topics out of the book of Revelation. You can put that as the uh, as the uh, title, various topics in God's final book, or God's topic in the book of Revelation, where people will know what you're talking about. But you're, you can be your own judge how you want to put it, brother. Okay. There's no questions, then, uh, Brother Jason, if you would, dismiss us in a word of prayer, brother. And folks, wait, before we, before we end, let me, let me say this. Folks, all I want for you is the best, okay? And let me explain something to you about what I've been trying to do for three years. False doctrine makes good doctrine. It, it, it totally confuses sound doctrine, Okay? Unreconciled verses, let me, me, I want you to get this. If you don't get nothing else, I want you to get what I'm fixing to say right now. Sound doctrine, as Paul says, that cannot be denied, has no verses that can't be reconciled. When you've got verses that totally contradict one another, they have to be reconciled. And when they're reconciled, then there is no schism. There is no ambiguity. It fits a certain part of God's Word. But you start you start picking out one false doctrine, one falsehood that's a vague verse of Scripture that is not that you, that you, that's not clear, and start trying to teach that as doctrine without it fitting the other parts of the Word of God like a glove and, and painting the picture of the doctrinal truth that it's trying to present, you just spin your wheels. Yeah, that's what bring, that's what makes cults, okay? That's what starts cults. And these last days, those seducing spirits and doctrines of devils are running rampant. The picture has to be made. The, the color in book's colors have to align with one another. They have to. God's word is true from the beginning, and it is not a lie. None of it's a lie. One verse that says you can't do something, and another one says, I, I've done dealt with that with y'all, about the ambiguity part. That ain't got nothing to do with doctrine. That's got to do with eating, drinking, and and what you can eat and what you can't eat with, you know, or what you can get by with on a personal level. That's not that's not got nothing to do with what we're talking about now. We're talking about now eternal doctrine that's going to matter in eternity. And it's clear. There is no, nothing ambiguous about it. He that hath begun a good work in you, will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. That's a promise. He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ because it's him that works in you both the will and to do of his good pleasure. <laughs> He's the one that built the house, folks. It's his household, it's his body, 
He can do with it as he pleases. Everything's done for his pleasure anyway. Revelation 4.11. And if his pleasure doesn't line up with your pleasure, tough apples. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. You wouldn't take another heartbeat or another breath if it wasn't for him. So you, once you align your pleasures up with his pleasures, then everybody's happy. But as long as your pleasures go contrary to his pleasures, you're in a world of hurt, and you will suffer that world of hurt. I didn't say you'd go to hell. You're still his son. Ain't no difference out here. Don't you like to get along with your parents? And ain't everything happy when things are going right? How about when things are going wrong? Not too happy. Mom and Daddy, they're not smiling, are they? And you ain't smiling either. They want to put a rod on your head. See what I'm saying? There ain't no difference with the Father. And he and his pleasures are a whole lot more than one single thing or two things. They encompass everything he's ever done and ever written down in a book that's specifically for you. But it's all for his pleasure. Line up your pleasure with his pleasures and everybody will be happy. Brother Jason, if you would, go ahead and dismiss us in a word of prayer, brother. Lord Jesus, we thank you tonight for this opportunity to gather together in your name and study your word. We ask, Lord, that these words that were spoken tonight, that they would cause all of us to be convicted, Lord, of what your will is in our life going forward as we do your will here on earth. And we also pray for those that would download the program, Lord, that you would touch their hearts as well, that you would speak to them and convict them as well, Lord. And we pray a precatory prayer against our enemies, Lord, that you would utterly destroy them, cause all of their plans to be foiled and their weapons to be used against them, Lord, uh, as times seem to be heating up in many parts of the world today and our people are still completely confused. We ask all these things in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 See, folks, one last parting word. The world's so screwed up. I'm doing when I'm, I don't know, I'm not talking about everybody else. I'm talking about our people. They get this, they got this funny idea that the Lord is there as a, a call boy to be to to be there for your beckoning call. And that the only thing that he's concerned with is your pleasure. See, I said pleasure. He's concerned for your good, you see. Your good is his good. What he's trying to do is get it all lined up for what he has already set down and set down as absolute fact. His pleasure. Okay, he's not there for your pleasure. We're here for his pleasure. You need to pray about that one. Because that's what's wrong with the whole body of Christ today. He's not here for your bank account. He's not here for your kids' education. He's not here for your health. He's not, that's not what he's here for. We're here for his pleasure. His pleasure. The more we submit, 
the more we obey, the more we do what we're supposed to do, every bit of that makes him smile. Why does it make him smile? Because that's his pleasure. And he's got it written down. It's written down. Okay? That's not, I'm, we're not guessing here. It's written down. So, so some folks go off and they'll, they'll argue about, well, no, that shouldn't be that. See, you see what I mean? Like Paul said, arguing about that. Gender, more strife. That's all. It, what do you think is going on today in the body of Christ? Strife, division, everywhere, backbiting, everywhere. You think they're worrying about God's pleasure doing all that crap? Are their brother's pleasure, brother and sister? Do you think that for one second? If you do, you're just as deceived as they are. He magnified this book above his very name, folks. And what's in here is what needs to be paid attention to. Not what I think or not what you think. You get that down, you'll be a million miles ahead of, of 99% of the rest of them. I love you guys. Keep me in your prayers as I pray for you. And Lord willing, we'll meet back tomorrow night. Lord willing and health permitting. Brother Jason. Dodd Spears Ministries, 3155 Louisville Street, D1, Clow, Alabama, 36017, telephone 334-397-2333, email joydon1953 at yahoo.com. Good night, everybody. Good job, Brother Jason, Brother Kevin. Good night, brother. Thank you.
Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu/visit.